0: Dakota State University's podcast for all things cyber and technology. I'm Jen Burris.
1: My name is Gabe Midland.
0: And today our special guest is the Dean of the College of Education, Dr. David DeYoung.
2: Hi, it's good to be here. Thanks for the invitation.
0: Absolutely. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, David?
2: Yeah, so I just started here in June and I love it. So that's kind of a high level of summary. And before this, I was at the University of South Dakota for seven years. Uh, five of those years, I was an assistant professor in school leadership, and then the last two, I was the chair of the Division of Educational Leadership. Before that, I spent my entire life in Iowa, where uh, I was a school principal and superintendent for eight years, and before that, I was a third-grade teacher and then a fourth-grade teacher, most of that in Pella, Iowa. And I grew up uh, in northwest Iowa, so I only about an hour from Sioux Falls uh, is where I grew up in a small Dutch community, which probably tells you a lot about me, Um, if you know anything about those weird (laughs) places, uh, small towns. I came from a town of uh, 2,000 people where my my dad owned a hardware hank, like a hardware store, and my mom baked cakes for most of the people in town for their celebrations.
0: Sounds like you have a long and storied past.
2: Yeah, you know, each... each, each stage along the way, um, you know, you learn stuff and, you know, I'm kind of to the stage of life where I look back and appreciate, you know, my mom and dad teaching me to work hard and, and serve people and uh, it's been a fun journey uh, when you're able to focus on things like that.
0: Absolutely. And so going back to the fact that you started out in elementary education, how has that informed your Decision making skills as you've progressed and advanced into more of a leadership role.
2: Yeah, well, one thing I appreciate is you know the the progression in education where you know teacher, principal, superintendent, uh, professor, and then a chair, and now a dean. Uh, it's kind of like um, uh, a lockstep. Um, progression and, and where I can learn stuff at each stage of the way and I can appreciate you know still being able to have a job where I'm you know intensely focused on what are we doing for the students in our k-12 schools so uh, that's that's what I love um, and uh, I appreciate you know being able to do that on a, a pretty big scale here at Dakota State
0: okay and why don't you tell us a little bit about the College of Education here at DSU
2: yeah, great people. Uh they work hard and uh we have a bright future. So uh I've enjoyed getting to know each uh all the instructors and the faculty member on our team. I, one right here in the room, Gabe. I mean, who doesn't love working with Gabe by the way? I I could
1: list a few, but <laughs> beyond that.
2: And You know, the the people are just rock stars, really, of who we work with. You know, we have programs. Our biggest program is elementary education. The second biggest is elementary ed slash special education. And then after that, we have a a thriving exercise science program. And then we have uh, smaller programs in PE and um, uh, secondary education. We work with our friends in arts and sciences uh, um, like biology teachers, business teachers, computer ed teachers, English teachers, and math teachers at the high school level, uh, which are in very high demand right now across South Dakota and the region.
1: I'm kind of interested in that high demand. How how do you explain why there's such a, a vacancy, if you will, of people who want to go into education?
2: That's a good question. You know, I, it's... Um, as I think about the teacher shortage, that's on TV a lot. What I've realized in just a few f- short months, it's it's a, a deeper, more complex challenge than what I even anticipated. And part of the reason that I applied here is I want to do something about the teacher shortage, and uh, this job certainly uh, you know gives that opportunity. But you know, going back to your question of like why. Is there a teacher shortage? It's a combination. So uh, one of the roots of the issues is that um, fewer uh, prospective teachers are being recruited into the profession. So normally, you know, you would hear a teacher say, you know what, my mom always thought that I would be a teacher. Or, you know, somebody saw that in me, like one of my favorite teachers said, hey, you'd make a good teacher. And that was in the Midwest, the number one like recruiting mechanism or system that would get people interested in becoming teachers. Uh, what's happened is that parents are, generally speaking, um, not encouraging their kids to become teachers. And even more um, disturbing is parents who are educators may not be encouraging their their children um, to become teachers. So I... Um, I'm a realist, and and I actually don't see that coming back anytime soon. So, you know that makes a pretty big challenge when the number one uh, way that people got interested into the career is um, uh, now much different than it used to be. Uh, second reason is uh, South Dakota is in the when the last couple on teacher pay salaries across um, in all all fifty United States, and I think. Um, this generation is a little more savvy, uh, thinking like, "Hey, am I going to come out of uh, college with fifty thousand dollars in debt and then go and make forty thousand dollars a year?" You know, when you do the simple math on that, um, that that's a challenge. Um, that if people, um, you know, are teetering back and forth, uh, they may not go after that. You know, the the third you know, major challenge uh, that people have going into teacher education is uh, right now education is like a political football that's being thrown around. And usually when that happens, no matter what you agree with or disagree with people, that becomes um, damaging to the profession on the, for people that are considering getting into education. So that trifecta is, is happening all at the same time right now uh, which is causing the teacher shortage. Now there are other factors involved, but from my personal experience and what I've read in the literature, those are the primary three. Now, on the other hand, I would argue that this is the best time in the history of the world to get into education and to become a teacher. And here's why: I mean, we we know now what works in education and what doesn't work. We know that today, in this moment, better than any time. In in history before us, on knowing what works and what doesn't, that's exciting because um, uh, teachers are finding new ways to engage students and get to know them. And right now, you know, a lot of the research studies out there are proving how important relationships are, and you know, it's one of the it's one of the pillars on what can change in this world. You know, when we're education is so important in. our society, and if you really feel in your heart that you want to make an impact through people, you know I just love uh, the opportunities that we have in front of us. So even though there are challenges, Gabe, I, I think also you can turn that around and say, "Wow, like what? What a great time to get into it!" You know, another thing is to with the teacher shortage. Uh, some people can pick where they want to teach. So instead, like I literally, when I was applying for a job in Pella, there were 750 applicants for my job. They told me that after uh, I got a job uh, there, but you know, there are fewer applicants that uh, are going for uh, jobs if you want to be in a certain location. So I, w- I would argue that's a great um, reason to jump in right now as well.
0: It's a lot of information
2: to think on.
1: No, uh, I like the fact that you talk about uh, them as challenges rather than barriers or obstacles. Um, You know, this podcast talks a lot about technology, and it certainly changed the environment in the classroom. What do you see as challenges or opportunities with regard to using technology in the classroom?
2: Yeah, when, when I think about using technology, the number one overarching goal is how can that enhance learning? So using technology just to use it, uh, I would argue would be a mistake. But when you're intentional and deliberate about using it to help students learn better, then it becomes a powerful tool that engages students and you know, takes learning to the next level. Uh, one of the big things that ca- captured my eye was simulations and um, training um, teachers and leaders in education through simulations I think has incredible power and I I honestly believe that it's the future of how we train teachers and leaders moving forward. So there's um, uh, I'm proud to say that Dakota State's been on the leading edge of that with our Vail program. That's our virtual avatar learning Environment? Environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And it's a company called Mersion, where what happens is you can stand in front of like a, a really big screen and you have a live audience of students, like let's say it's five or six students in your classroom. And then while you're teaching a lesson, they will misbehave or they will pull out their phone or they will uh, act like they're sleeping. And you have to address them. Like you talk back and forth with them. And what happens is, you know, we pay avatars, people to, you know, to see you as the teacher and talk back to you and create challenges where in a safe learning environment, you can pick up um, some real-life experience in that uh, program. So that's, uh, Dakota State's been doing that for years, and it is impressive, the work that uh, they were doing, and the students have rave reviews about them. Now, another simulation company is called School Sims, and I'm much more familiar with them. I started using them uh, as a professor seven years ago, and uh, what they do is they, they, a narrator gives you three to five minutes of context of who you are in the scenario, and then you come to a decision point. And at that decision point, like le- most often there are four choices of what you can choose, And then based on your choice, it goes to another video, and it keeps playing itself out. So you experience the consequences of your decision in a safe environment. So I started using those, and I love them. And I've probably facilitated hundreds of simulations to thousands of school leaders in all 50 states. Uh, In fact, um, this company out of Pennsylvania, I have the privilege to train people how to use them. So about once a week, I jump on Zoom, and I train people all over the United States on how to facilitate these. Uh, and just this, in January, they started using teacher simulations. The, the last one that they created was a, was a parent-teacher conference where you're a new teacher, and then a parent shows up at the end of the parent-teacher conferences, and they're just mean to you. They're just l- right to your face. And no matter what you say, they're confrontational, and you have to make choices on, on how to, you know, respond to that parent. And I think there's a lot of power in that type of learning because they create natural stopping points. So if I was in front of 20 teachers, I would make people commit to their answer, have them talk about what, how they would respond to this angry parent. And then we could talk about it as the instructor saying, hey, you know, let's let's talk about this decision point and the different options of how you can respond in in this environment right now. And um, I'm pretty excited about the future of that uh, uh, with technology, um, uh, specifically simulations in our teacher prep program. So now that we're using School Sims and Mersion, uh, we're actually tapping into the top two simulation companies in the world. And I would, I'm, I'm assuming we're the only program in the Midwest that's actually using both forms. So this is brand new, and it's awesome.
0: And that just kind of gives students an extra bit of basically classroom experience without the risk factor, right?
2: Yes, we're giving them experiences in a safe environment.
1: And that certainly leads to uh, enhanced confidence and um, kind of drawing on that experience when you do encounter something that's similar about what worked and why and what doesn't work and for what reasons I think it sounds really exciting
0: definitely provides a lot of opportunity to kind of learn decision making skills and reevaluate. okay if that didn't work what would have been a better option
2: absolutely
0: in the school of sims you can actually go through a simulation multiple times is that right
2: yeah, so I, I taught a class where um, I wanted to try it in an online asynchronous setting. And I was the first professor in the world to try that. So I did it for seven straight spring semesters. And that's actually the research study that I'm I'm uh, 90% done with. I'm, I'm working with Dr. Sarah Dexter out of the University of Virginia. And what we did is we analyzed 826 responses in an online only setting to a, a simulation. And we did a content analysis and we, we literally proved that um, based on their responses, our students went through Kolb's experiential learning cycle where they're thinking, acting, reflecting. Um, so we're giving them an experience when they're all by themselves. And it's uh, a simulation that's Repeatable, So you can be doing it at 1 o'clock in the morning if you're a a night owl. And um, I have people come onto my discussion boards when I was a a professor, and they would say, I went through this simulation three or four times just to see what would happen. And that level of engagement, when we're working with time-bankrupt humans that are becoming teachers or becoming school leaders, if they're going through it just to learn, I'm like... That's, that's why I love ed- technology and education is to see that level of engagement because if we're honest, we are competing with people's time. There's more to do than there ever has been in the history of the world as well. You know, I've seen some charts on the information share, like we can only take in, consume so much information. And to, to think that technology is allowing us to be a part of that, take a bigger piece of that pie with with pre-service teachers is awesome to me. Awesome.
1: And I think the contrast between the traditional way of learning, of attending a lecture, reading a textbook, reflecting on that, and then with what you're describing about actually making decisions, seeing what the consequences could be because of those decisions, and learning that way from Real direct experience. Um, that's a sharp contrast.
2: It is a sharp contrast. In fact, you know, I would actually say that that's one of Dakota State's strengths that was going on long before I arrived, is we have a bunch of people that understand uh, how valuable experiences are to the learning process and um, and how to best meet the needs of people in South Dakota and throughout the region. So we were we were the first uh, teacher preparation program to have an online only option. And uh, when I arrived here, I said, hey, how's that going? Because we're the only one in the state doing this. And what um, the instructors and faculty told me is they said it's good, and it's especially good for um, people that are working in schools eight hours a day, such as paraprofessionals. And I thought to my, myself, like, hey, there's a niche there. Like, other states are really targeting paraprofessionals in their schools, and they're coming up with innovative pathways to earn their degree. So I'm talking about people that are making $14 an hour and struggling to make ends meet. And how do you – and, the, and they're, they're in the community, they're in the school – they're already in rural South Dakota. And just, you know, based on how I introduced myself, I said I'm a rural boy, right? Like, I've baled hay. I've walked beans. Like, I love the egg nature of our state and society. So, I mean, I have a heart to serve those people and to help meet their needs. So we, we created a paraprofessional to teacher pathway that um, is really raising awareness of our online program. And when we started doing that, we kind of got the attention of the Department of Education. Um, now I'm on a, a work group um, that's thinking about teacher apprenticeships and what does that actually look like in South Dakota. So other states are beating us right now, mainly Tennessee. So if, if I encourage anybody listening to this, do a Google search for teacher apprenticeship program, Tennessee, and you'll come back, you'll be like, wow, what? They're actually in the field working eight hours a day, and uh, we're figuring out which courses that we can like infuse into their real experiences, or teach them online, online, or in the night or in the weekend. And we're helping those people um, get most or all of their tuition paid for while they're working. And. Um, that's generating more hundreds of more teachers in their state per year. So you know one of my visions um, is to learn from the other states on, on what are they doing really well and uniquely that we can, we can take to the state of South Dakota. So I, I'm not sure what that would look like. I have a lot of listening and learning to do, but uh, there's a real opportunity to be the first, uh, teacher preparation program in the state to to figure out what a teacher apprenticeship model could look like and then normalizing that pathway and getting more paraprofessionals in our school. Um, now they're coming out of school debt free they're maybe coming out a uh, half a year or a year early into the workforce they're still getting a hundred and twenty credit degree through us um, I mean we, we, the future, that's why I say the future is bright, because we're looking at new ways um, to be able to serve our state.
1: Well, in a, a true win-win situation, win for the individuals who are already in the schools and know what it takes to be a, an instructor but don't have the credentials, and a win for the university um, with uh, recognizing we're meeting the need and uh, also uh, lifting, if you will, the whole state.
0: You also factor in those built-in relationships that they already have in their community because they're there and with students in the school, potentially.
2: Not only that, Jen, but there's been a shift with um, the old way of thinking was um, uh, if somebody wanted to become a teacher, they would be told, hey, go out into the real world, get experience for two or three years at another district, and then come back to us and then we'll try to fit you in see if you, know, you can come back home to us. Uh, what it started on the coasts, and now it's in the Midwest. Grow your own models, where you're gonna now see starting this spring, you're gonna see school districts that are hi- doing this. What I'm talking about: hiring their people to be paraprofessionals and encouraging them to get their degree um, through either you know a different way than what it's been like in the in the past. And they're trying to grow their own teachers and saying, yeah, we have a a job waiting for you in our district. So um, I wanna be a part of that game that uh, is uh, being played out uh, as we speak.
0: And I wanna take it back into kind of um, our teacher prep classroom. And you mentioned earlier in the podcast that um, it's not about using any and all technology, that you don't just throw it in there because it's tech. How are we preparing our students to test things out, try them out, know that they don't have to use the latest and greatest, but still be prepared to using updated tech?
2: Well, I was curious uh, with Dakota State because, you know, I've had people tell me for a long time saying, oh, David, you're like, you're the most tech person we have in, in the School of Education or something like that. Um, I've been humbled coming to Dakota State. So I'll give you one example. Uh, with Nearpods, um, you know, I've seen how our faculty are using those to deliver content. And can you explain a little bit what a Nearpod is? Uh, Gabe, uh,
1: I use Nearpod quite a bit. Yes? Um, so you can take your, your presentation and you can put it into this program and you can also insert, if you will, video content. You can insert uh, what we'd call formative assessments along the way to check student understanding of new information that you're delivering to them. It's also uh, something that the student can have accessible to them outside the classroom. They can download, they can take notes on the program and and revisit those things that may be a little fuzzy or that they're not completely confident in. It's a tremendous program in a lot of different ways.
2: And so not only have I not used that before, I had never heard about it. You know what I mean? So Dakota State was doing things that I hadn't even – I didn't even know existed before I arrived here. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, I don't know how else to describe it other than our team is crushing it on using the best technology available to enhance learning of our students because – they already know that our goal is to model the way, so that way they use that when they are going out and getting jobs, and and that type of rich environment that was fostered for many years in our College of Ed. Um, that's probably why we have a hundred percent placement rate, with the highest percentage of all the teacher preps in South Dakota of placing students in uh, South Dakota right? So I mean, people want our teachers and everybody knows it. So uh, our people are in high demand. So that's very impressive to me.
1: And I think too, it's part of the larger Dakota State culture about there's always change. Change is inevitable. And maybe I've said this before, but um, you know, people spend a lot of time uh, mastering certain kinds of skills and techniques. And so change is not something that anybody really looks forward to. They they approach having to do something just a little differently with a little bit of resistance. And that's true here at DSU. But the difference here at DSU, I think that David's speaking to is that we know that it's inevitable. We're going to we're going to try it. We're going to give it a really good test. And if it's usable, if it, if it adds to what we're doing, we're going to adopt it. But if we find it doesn't really add anything or it doesn't really make any kind of a difference, we're going to set it aside. And that's a big reason why I'm proud to be here, is that, no, we don't like change any better than anyone else, but we embrace it and we recognize it. it's inevitable. So there's a lot of opportunities uh, for us with this technology, Tell me a little bit more about the sims. Um, are there several different kinds of situations or are there is it finite or how does that work?
2: Yeah, so right now there are about 40 simulations in the library. started out as a principal um, focused simulations where you're the principal in this scenario. And then there was demand, so they expanded the library to be include superintendents and then counselors, and then finally in January, teachers. And so when this position came open at Dakota State, I'm like, man, I've been using these simulations. The company is going to be going in all in on teacher simulations, and I knew that. And um, I was like, this is a perfect time to bring that um, to Dakota State. So, uh, you know, I'm excited about the conversations that they're gonna foster amongst our students. You know, uh, for example, let me get my calendar out here. One week from today, on the 21st, I will be leading simulations with our level three students. So our level three students, what that means is they're getting close to becoming a student teacher. And when they're coming back for a day, Uh, from their field experience that's happening, uh, I have the opportunity to lead a couple simulations with them. So uh, I'm excited to, um, you know, bring it uh, and see where it goes.
0: Have you done a lot of in-person simulations where you get to kind of interact with um, when you're training people?
2: Yep, so I've done a lot of them uh, in person, and I've done a lot of them uh, via Zoom. And I've done them, a lot of them, online asynchronous. So just to give you a little, like a scope, uh, I've trained over 200 universities or K-12 schools on how to use them. So, you know, lately I trained University of Virginia. I trained Washington, D.C. public schools, San Diego public schools, Long Beach public schools, like lots of the bigger um, K-12 school, so I get to meet with their leadership development team, uh, and uh, uh, I'll usually meet with them via Zoom. Uh, I was uh, getting tired of flying around the country training them, uh, so I figured out how to use them via Zoom, and then three months later, COVID hit. So, oh, so we were already using them via Zoom when COVID hit, and then what happened was the um, people were looking for, uh, you know, internships. They couldn't go to school for an internship because school was all online during COVID. So uh, all these people, st- I helped I help them use simulations um, as their part of their internship and practicum experiences. And the company, you know, it became a tidal wave of people wanting to use them. Uh, and I'm I get to be the person that trains people how to use them.
0: And can you give a couple examples of like what kind of potential issues are presented in the simulations?
2: Yeah, so uh, you can go to schoolsims.com and scroll down and see the library. But it's uh, in teacher preparation. Um, uh, the simulations include, you know, a real life or real experience with dealing with angry parents in a parent-teacher conference setting. Uh, they include another one is about. Um, There's a book, a questionable book, that's uh, in the teacher's library, and you have to talk to people about that um, book. Uh, There's ones where you're working on a collaborative team. Um, In education, we call those professional learning communities, or PLCs. And this one crabby lady just goes off the rails, and you have to decide how to work with her. You know, everything from, uh, you get into trickier ones uh, with race, um, that uh, is a simulation. um, Talking about uh, creating an equitable budget to serve all the students in your your school district. um, Managing, like, different populations moving to town and how that shifts uh, the dynamics of, um, like, your school setup and, you know, do you move from having a bunch of K-6 schools to, you know, now just one K-3 school and then one 4 through 6 um, grade-level school so that way, you know, parents aren't moving to one side of town to be at the nice school, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, real issues that teachers and principals face and uh, the simulations that are used the most are the ones that deal with interpersonal conflict. Uh, One time I trained a university, USC communications uh, department about how to use the simulations because they were going to do, they were going to analyze it with their communication students. So it's not only for educators, they can be used however you want.
0: A wide breadth.
2: Um, A wide breadth and and getting wider.
1: You talked about uh, more simulations for the classroom teacher. What are... what are the next things that are in the works for this Sims company? Do you have any ideas?
2: Yeah, so I would say that my best guess is 90% of their clients are leadership preparation programs, where only 10% are teacher preparation programs. So they already have like a leg to all of like universities, um, like schools of education, you might say. And so what's going to happen, I predict, very quickly is all these teacher prep programs are going to be like, hey, our ed leadership friends are using these. We need to use these as well. The second uh, big wave that I see happening right now is there are states that are choosing to lower the standards on uh, what it takes to become a teacher. Uh, For example, in Arizona, if you're a veteran, you can now be a teacher. So you can teach third grade right away. Uh, So what that creates is that creates a scenario where you're putting somebody that may not have as much training as somebody else. And if a school district can now use simulations to simulate some experiences and provide their own professional development uh, to these people that are teaching these classes, I think they'll, that's why I believe um, you know, simulations are are the way of the future. To be honest, with with real life instructors facilitating them.
0: What do you see for the future of the College of Education here at DSU?
2: Keep working hard. Keep following open doors. I mean, our vision is to become the best um, College of Education in the Midwest. So um, we're going after it, and we have a bun- we have all the right people on the bus now. We just need to keep keep moving things forward.
0: Okay. Well, thank you so much for being a guest today, David.
2: Thanks for the invitation. Happy to come back whenever I'm invited again.
0: Thank you, Gabe, for co-hosting today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you to our podcast producers, Hannah Rowe and Max Allman. And thank you for listening.